With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and... Starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, brought to you by SupChina. Each week, we bring you a roundup from the world of business in China from Caixin, China's authority on business and financial news, as well as interviews with Caixin Global reporters and editors. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast. What a whirlwind of a week it's been for China business news, and of course, as many of you will already know, what's by far one of the most dramatic developments is, of course, Nancy Pelosi's controversial trip to Taiwan. And as we'll be finding out, that's not the only factor causing a serious dent in Sino-U.S. relations. In recent days, Washington has also expanded a ban on the sales of chip-making gear to China. Plus, Chinese tech giant Alibaba could soon be delisted from American exchanges as a result of an ongoing audit dispute between the two nations. We'll speak with Nandini Vincata about that in just a bit. With all the stories that count, here's your weekly China business brief. And we kick things off with how Beijing is hitting out at Washington and Taiwan following the visit of Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi to the island. The U.S. lawmaker landed in Taiwan on August 2nd and later met with Taiwan leader Tsai Ing-wen. Pelosi is the highest-ranking American politician to visit Taiwan in 25 years. Beijing's countermeasures against the U.S. include, so far, imposing sanctions on Pelosi herself and her immediate family, severing certain lines of communication with the U.S. military, and suspending cross-border cooperation on judicial and even climate change matters. Beijing also launched a slew of countermeasures against Taiwan, including military drills and economic sanctions. The Chinese Foreign Ministry said that the visit, quote, constitutes a gross interference in China's internal affairs. It gravely undermines China's sovereignty and territorial integrity, seriously tramples on the One China Principle, and severely threatens peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. End quote. Speaking at a press conference in Tokyo during the final stop of her Asian tour on Friday, Nancy Pelosi said that Washington would not allow Beijing to, quote, isolate Taiwan. And things are also getting thorny between the world's two biggest economies when it comes to the state of chip-making gear. Analysts say that a recent expansion of U.S. restrictions on China's access to chip-making technology will have a broad impact on the Chinese semiconductor industry. Tim Archer, the CEO of LAM Research, a California-based supplier of silicon wafer fabrication gear, 
said that American authorities broadened their ban on sales of shipmaking equipment to China. Archer said that after previously barring shipments of machinery to produce advanced technology nodes of 10 nanometers or less, the U.S. expanded the restrictions to apply to chips of up to 14 nanometers. Without getting too technical, let's just say that raising the restriction level to 14 nanometers from 10 will cover a broader range of semiconductor equipment. According to industry insiders, in the short term, the expanded restrictions will affect only the semiconductor giant SMIC because it is the only Chinese company currently producing the chips using a 14 nanometer fabrication process. However, analysts also say that the move will block other Chinese chipmakers' plans to develop 14 nanometer technology, and it may even take a year or two for Chinese chip companies to adjust. Gu Wenjun, chief analyst at market research firm ICWISE, said that the sanctions imposed on SMIC and other companies may serve as a wake-up call to Chinese chipmakers that the U.S. policy of curbing China's development of advanced technologies will not change, which will drive companies to connect more aggressively with markets outside the U.S. In other business news, CATL, China's largest electric vehicle battery maker, has stepped up a patent lawsuit fight against a smaller rival. The news comes as CATL strives to maintain its technological advantage amid rising competition in the sector. The company filed another lawsuit against CALB for infringement on a patent and unfair competition claiming 130 million yuan, or around $19 million, in damages. CATL confirmed the news to Caixin, the case builds on a lawsuit that CATL filed against CALB last year for infringement on five patents related to battery technology, claiming 518 million yuan in compensation. CATL, a battery supplier to Tesla, urged its competitor to stop producing and selling batteries using the patents. Moving on to the latest from China's gaming scene, the country's most recent list of video games approved for sale once again contained zero titles from two of the country's biggest game publishers, Tencent and NetEase. The National Press and Publication Administration, or NPPA for short, published a new list of 69 approved titles from other companies. The monthly list was the fourth to come out since the NPPA resumed licensing new video games in April after an eight-month hiatus. That suspension was considered part of a government crackdown aimed at combating gaming addiction among minors. Since the freeze was lifted, no Tencent or NetEase games have been approved by the body. Analysts say this may show a government preference for small and mid-sized game developers as the two giants are still reaping rewards from their current hits on the market. Things are continuing to look pear-shaped for Evergrande, the troubled property developer expects to book a loss of 1.26 billion yen, or almost $190 million this year. That's after it abandoned plans to build a massive soccer stadium in southern China and sold the land back to the government. With a lavish lotus flower design from international architects Gensler originally planned, the 12 billion yen, 100,000-seat stadium was to house the developer's pet Chinese Super League team. When construction began in April 2020, the firm's ex-chief Xia Haijun compared the project to the Sydney Opera House, telling Sina.com 
the world-class landmark would put Chinese soccer on the map. But it was not meant to be. The real estate giant is now disposing of assets to raise cash as it struggles to sell properties amid a collapse in consumer confidence and an industry-wide liquidity crisis. The government will give the firm a 5.5 billion yuan refund for the land. That's according to a recent stock exchange filing. Things are also looking rather tricky for Guomei. The company, which is one of China's largest brick-and-mortar electronics retailers, has fired a senior vice president and many of its staff at the core online sales unit. That's after it failed to make a dent in the nation's competitive e-commerce sector. Multiple, multiple sources said among the sacked staff of the Beijing-based retailer's Zhenkuila e-commerce platform was executive vice president Ding Wei, who was promoted to the role less than a year ago to replace a departing ex-Alibaba chief. The reshuffle would appear to spell the end of the firm's 16-month dalliance with developing an alternative to the e-commerce offerings of Alibaba and TikTok. It is unclear exactly how many people have been sacked. Guomei did not respond to Caixin's request for comment. And finally, tens of thousands of holidaymakers have gotten a lot more than they bargained for on their latest trip to Sanya. That's after the Chinese beach resort city, located on the tropical province island of Hainan, went into lockdown in response to a COVID outbreak. More than 80,000 tourists have been stranded at local hotels during the island's peak season. The city has reported already over 650 cases since the start of the month. The local authorities have taken steps to contain the spread of the virus. Anyone wishing to leave Sanya must present two negative nucleic acid test results taken within 48 hours to depart. Hundreds of flights from the city have already been canceled due to disease control measures. This development goes to show just how chaotic it can be to travel domestically amid China's strict zero-COVID policy. Indeed, it seems that for most people in the country, the only realistic option in the foreseeable future may be just to do a staycation. Let's turn now to Caixin Global's podcaster-in-chief, Nandini Venkata, who is, of course, co-producer of this show. Welcome back to the show, Nandini. Hey, Kaiser. It's great to be here. So, Nandini, what's the big news story of the week? Yeah, so this week I want to talk about how Alibaba has had a really turbulent ride in the U.S. That's because the huge Chinese tech giant has been added to a list, an ever-growing list, of Chinese companies that could be very well kicked off American stock exchanges if U.S. authorities cannot inspect their books. Okay, so I assume this all relates directly to the ongoing audit dispute between China and the U.S. Yeah, so basically in uh, 2020, the U.S. Congress um, passed something called the Holding Foreign Company Accountable Act. And this maintains that if U.S. authorities are not being able to fully inspect audits of U.S. traded companies and um, financial statements for three consecutive years, then that particular foreign company can indeed be delisted from an American exchange. And as of late June this year, U.S. securities regulators have placed um, 155 Chinese companies on the list. The idea is basically that any company found to be non-compliant could face delisting from an American stock exchange 
as soon as 2023. Can we get a bit more detail on Alibaba's specific situation? Yeah, sure. So Alibaba has said that U.S. regulators made this move after the U.S. Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, bit of a mouthful, could not fully review Alibaba's audits for the fiscal year that ended in late March. So therefore, it has been placed on this list. And in reaction to the news, Alibaba filed a statement to the Hong Kong Exchange. Um, That's where it has a secondary listing in addition to its listing on the New York Stock Exchange. The tech giant said that it would monitor market developments, comply with applicable laws and regulations, and strive to maintain its listing status on both the New York Stock Exchange and the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. Now, I should add that this is all happening as Alibaba is seeking to upgrade its trading status in Hong Kong from a secondary listing to a primary listing. So by doing this, Alibaba's stock would be able to participate in the Hong Kong, Shanghai, Shenzhen Stock Connect. And that could boost liquidity by allowing Chinese mainland investors to trade directly in the shares. And I think on this point, it's worth noting that in recent years, many big US traded Chinese companies, you know, the likes of Alibaba, Baidu, JD.com, they have all completed secondary stock offerings in Hong Kong. So that means that if these companies were ever kicked off American exchanges, then thanks to the secondary exchange in Hong Kong, investors could exchange their U.S. shares for Hong Kong shares. So it seems to be a sort of backup. Okay, Nandini, this is obviously a really complicated set of issues, but do you have any thoughts on how or when this dispute between Washington and Beijing might eventually be resolved? Well, yeah, that that is really difficult to say. Um, Regulators from the two countries have been locked in negotiations on the matter for a long time. Now, whether they are able to resolve the matter is really unclear. Recently, the chairman of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission said that both sides must reach an agreement very soon to avoid delistings. And he also said that he's actually not particularly confident about the situation. Now, amid all this uncertainty, it seems that more U.S.-traded Chinese companies are actually expected to choose flotations in Hong Kong, and more institutional shareholders will move their holdings there. All right, Nandini. Thank you, as always. Thank you, Kaiser. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief is produced by Kaiser Guo and Nandini Vincata with stories from the staff of Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts on the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa podcast and China Corner Office. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to SubChina Access for our daily newsletter. Find us at subchina.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Take care.